0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very, very special episode of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get the inside scoop from those in the know within the music industry, give them their flowers while they're here to celebrate and smell them. Like I said, this interview is very special for me. This guy right here, all the interviews that you've seen me do, he's seen it firsthand from the days in Brown, Taylor, WAG, 103.fm. The time machine to beyond the album cover he has an important part in my story and we're gonna hear about his music his new album that just dropped merge records chapel hill everything else in between ladies and gentlemen give a big round of applause for josh Kimbro. josh welcome to the podcast bro
1: oh man Jarrell, thank you so much so it's good to see your face here and it's good to hear your voice um yeah we go way back and uh yeah, those times at the college radio station, those were those were really special.
0: Yeah, they definitely were. Even though we we're only pumping out eighteen watts, we still had a lot of listeners, a lot of viewers. Thank God for live streaming, cause that's how I got a lot of my <laughs> views. Live streaming, cause I <laughs> that's I, right. Um, I did an interview a couple months back with um. The artist formerly known as Show Smooth, Chris Lee, who is now the, mm-hmm. the sports anchor at WRAL, and we were just reminiscing talking about how we used to do Walmart runs to go buy TDK twenty <laughs> minute cassette tapes just so that we could have <laughs> enough tape to record our shows and the little
1: also oh,
0: underneath the board.
1: Don't you kind of miss that, though, the yeah, physical I, formats?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I, I missed that, man, because I remember not being able to know how to really operate a record player until Jack mm-hmm. kind of showed me. Jack, for those of you that don't know, was the station mm-hmm. general manager. Um, He gave mm-hmm. me and all of us our shot, and he showed me the record player, and I was like, what is this? How do you work this? Mm-hmm. But I became a <laughs> pure master at it, but likewise, it is good to see you. Good to hear from you. Oh, yeah. We go way back, so we're going to get into all of that. So where did your love of music come from, and who were some of the musical influences that you listened to growing up?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, I feel lucky to have grown up in a musical household. So my dad is a piano player, keyboard player. Um, He actually went to Duke University in the late 70s, and he was in sort of like a jazz fusion type of band. So he sort of has that funkiness to his style. Um, and as I was growing up, he was always playing the piano, always playing, you know, some sort of Scott Joplin ragtime songs or just, just really anything. Just just jamming away on the piano. So I think that's really where, you know, I started my love of music came from him, you know, and 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 things like that. So
0: mom musical inclined as well, just that
1: mom definitely appreciates music and actually mom can hop on the piano and she remembers some of those songs that she used to play taking lessons when she was younger but um, yeah more so dad is the one who is just constantly playing and writing music and um, but they both encouraged me a lot you know as I was growing up um, you know buying me instruments or just you know putting me in lessons or you know just encouraging me, so.
0: Yeah, and that's where it all starts with most virtuosos. You start buying instruments and rolling them in lessons and you sit, you learn, you play. Do you remember the first piece that you learned to play on the piano?
1: Ooh, that is a good question. I don't, I did take piano lessons from, first from my dad and then from other other teachers. Uh, I can't say I really remember any pieces um and then when i switched over to guitar i think that would have been when i was around 14 or 15 i do remember um when i first started taking lessons on guitar i was studying um freddie king who is a jazz or sorry he is a blues guitar player a uh, really amazing blues guitar player and you'll hear him he's got records of only instrumental tunes and he's got records where he sings as well. But, you know, that was that was me learning sort of the blues basics, and I learned a lot of those Freddie King songs um, to really start me off.
0: Now, primarily for your musical learning, did you learn by ear, or was it a combination of both lessons and learning by ear with what you heard on the radio?
1: It was a combination. Uh, I would say mostly by ear, for sure, because I just, you know, growing up, you know, going, going back to, let's say middle school, I wanted to be in a band with some other folks, you know, that's what, that's what really was driving me to pick up instruments and to pick up the guitar. And, um, and so I like to, you know, sit in a room with my friends and and yeah, play by ear and just make things up as they come. Um, At the same time, I did take some classical guitar lessons in, uh, sorry, in, late high school and that was reading off of a page a little bit. So I, I had a little bit of, of that as well, but uh, a lot of it was planned by ear.
0: Mm, and that is a skill with NSF. Me, I'm not musical inclined but if I was, piano would be one of the instruments I would love to because it's so classy and people mm. tend to look at you like you got a higher credit score if you know how to play piano.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, and it's nice, you know, if you walk into somebody's house who has a piano and you can sit down and play something on it, you know, you, you get bonus points for that, you know. That's and- Or you just, you get to start, you start the party, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. And for those of you that don't know, back in the day, having a piano in the house was a status symbol because if you had a piano in the house, Mm. that meant you had money Mm. Mm -hmm. or the appearance of money. Now, did you get your start cutting your teeth in the talent show circuit in school? Now, we all know for some musicians, that was the brutal training ground for fame and fortune. If you were the man or the woman by six or seven period, you were good money.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So a school talent show is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I went to school here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, so our high school we did have a yearly talent show, and that was a pretty big deal. And, um, yeah, two two bands of mine. You know, one junior year, one senior year, got into that talent show, and and. Yeah, I, I credit, I credit that, that talent show with, um, maybe converting a few fans, you know, from our, from our high school audience or, um, for our, or, you know, it, it was, it was, a, and, and plus you got to get on stage, you got to do a real performance, you got to prepare for that for performance. So it sort of helped you cut your chops a little bit in that way, um, or, you know, maybe learn some things the hard way. Okay, let's not do that next time or something, you know. But uh, I do think those talent shows were were pretty great at our high school. And even just observing other peers who were musicians and seeing what they were doing and maybe borrowing from what they were doing um, is also something I remember.
0: Now, was there a lot of collaboration between all the musicians at the school or everybody kind of stayed within their own sets?
1: So I do remember senior year talent show, you know, I accompanied a friend of mine, um, who was, was singing a Annie DeFranco song. So she asked me to accompany her on guitar and then my band played. Um, and then I remember we really liked a drummer from another band. So we ended up asking him later to, to play with us. So I think, yeah, there was a little bit of cross pollination there and, and, um, that was a cool aspect of it. Yeah.
0: Now, did you do marching band during this time or no?
1: I did. So, trombone was was the other instrument I was playing at the time. Um that didn't last very long because I, you know, I love the guitar and I just ended up spending all my my time on guitar and and writing my own music instead of being in the marching band, but um I did one I actually I played and I, I rehearsed with the marching band, but I never actually marched with the marching band because I played soccer as well, and that was a conflict with you know football and marching band. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, for those of you that don't But know, yeah, try, yeah, yeah, for those you don't know, normally fall sports have a tendency to overlap with marching band season, and you don't have a so this one time at band camp story that you can share, right?
1: Right no, I don't no, I don't know
0: time back here. <laughs> yeah. now was your high school band a choral style marching band, or was it kind of like a mix of choral and show style?
1: ooh, um you know i I'm not really very familiar, like i said that that freshman year I did a little bit of rehearsing with them, but I wasn't even that familiar with with their whole repertoire, so mm-hmm. yeah, I wish I could tell you.
0: Yeah, for those of you that's unfamiliar with choral and show style, choral style is more your traditional marching band where you're going to play your traditional pieces, maybe have your standards in. And show style is more of what you see with the HBCUs where it's more of a performance. Right. You have the dancers, you do your popular songs, and it's more of a show, And which takes ways to um, a yeah. meeting point a little old school mm-hmm. by the name of University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which is 10 to 15 minutes up Market Street from North Carolina A&T, one of the baddest HBCU bands in the land. So what led you to want to be <laughs> Spartan at UNCG?
1: What led me to go to UNCG? You know, To be honest, one thing that sealed the deal for me, you don't see a lot of brick-and-mortar record stores out there These days, um, you see a few, but there was a great one on the main drag, right next to UNC Greensboro, back back when you and I went to that school, um, Jarrell. So um, that was called Gate City Noise, and you know they they yeah it was a great record store with a with an owner who would point you in the right direction if you told him I sort of like this and I sort of like this. Can you show me something new that I'll love? And he would he would. Point you right to it. Um, They would have actually amazing live shows there too. And um, anyways, I just caught the vibe that it was there was a cool thing happening there. Um, And you know that was that was just one little record store, but to me it just felt like okay that that was going to be an oasis, and um, that got me excited about it. Yeah, and then of course from there. Well, there, there did end up being a good music scene. Um, the more I got to know the town, you know, once I started going there, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually never went to Gate City North, cause I think they demolished that, I want to say, maybe my sophomore year, because it's a Walgreens okay. now. But uh, I remember yeah, seeing that yeah. when I first arrived in um, fall of 04. So how did you end up at WAG, 103.1 FM, and get assigned to the job of PD?
1: Yes, yes. That's going down memory lane. Let's try to remember these things. Um, so, you know, you, you get to school freshman year, you, you do the orientation, you, you move into the dorm. Um, and, oh, am I still there? Okay. And you just start to find like-minded people around campus, right? Um, maybe it's a t-shirt they're wearing of a, of a band you like and you you just go up to them. I feel like that's one of the the few times in life where you just sort of go up to a stranger and just say, hey, who are you? You know, I'm new here. <laughs> Let's be friends. You just find some common ground. So so I found a few of those people, and I guess somehow one of us or a couple of us had heard of this um, orientation for the radio station and went to an interest meeting and yeah, basically freshman year, I was able to get my my first show, and that was, I remember it very vividly. I mean, that was great times. I really looked up to the DJs who came before me and after me, and it was just, yeah, it was such a great feeling to just sit behind the desk, speaking to that microphone, you know, you had this huge library of CDs and vinyl all around you. You you're just ready to discover new things, you know, and um, yeah, that was, that was really, really exciting, and, and plus, then you felt like you were part of a community as well, you know, the, like I said, those DJs, that came before and after you, and you would see them at meetings too, and um, you had a common interest, and so that's kind of how I started off, and then I liked it so much, I mean, I wanted to be there all the time, so I applied to be on the board, and, and that's how I got to be program director.
0: Oh, man. So kind of like you, I saw the interest table during uh, Welcome Week a- indicated, hey, I want a show, I want a show. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting a show like, right away. But I can remember there was a lot of trepidation. You remember because <laughs> of the policy where oh, yeah. no commercial stuff. Because I remember writing out my first yeah. playlist. playlists I'm like, no, can't play this. No, can't play this. Right. No, can't play this. So <laughs> what was... Your guys' thoughts when you first saw that I was gonna play stuff that was non indie, that was commercial, and we want to keep it in.
1: Oh, be, be honest. No, there. no, no. See, no, no, no. I think I think that's a special thing about UNCG's radio station WUAG. I mean, I think I think it's not too stuffy of a place where you know some stations might be more like that but i think it it's it's a a little bit more of a wide open space um for yeah all different kinds of shows you know and just i mean yeah there's a format and there's kind of like you're right that that indie music is kind of what's in rotation there and things like that but um no i mean just it was it was great to have all different flavors you know what i mean like I, I ended up doing a roots music and bluegrass show um with another guy i think that was my senior year um so that was a little bit off of that you know standard programming as well um or that that uh like i said rot- indie rotation programming as well but i mean you you want somebody who's excited about adding those different flavors you know Mm-hmm. And I mean, come on, like your your passion for, you know, the style of music and also your knowledge, your in-depth knowledge, being able to, you know, inform and educate people about that type of thing. I mean, that's so valuable and, and so cool.
0: Mm, yeah, because I definitely felt that we had a great mix, you know, depending on what time of day you can hear bluegrass, you can hear Americana, you can hear rock, you can hear hip hop, you can hear st- Sports. you can hear ambient music, you can hear EDM, <laughs> live hip hop mix, shout out to Ev and Section 8, man. But um, I just felt <laughs> yes. that WAG, we were all together and saying we're gonna put together something that even though maybe only one to two people here is on campus or not, we were gonna do mm-hmm. it our way. and We weren't gonna apologize about it because I can remember a lot of the acts that I ended up becoming fans of I heard about first through UAG. Um, that was the first time I heard of Little Number. Mm. That was the first time I've heard of. Oh, cool. First time I've heard of Carolina Chocolate Drops. You know, so a lot of Ooh, the facts yeah. that I would normally not associate myself with, I got to hear right. first through our little mm. tiny 18-watt station.
1: Mm. And like you said, I mean, credit to Jack Bonney, who was doing a great job of, of being in, in that full-time general manager position that they were able to have at that time. Um, I mean, bringing little brother to the station, that was,
0: yeah, that, that was, was beyond I, cool. Yeah, you know? I remember you and I, we got a chance to take a picture with, I want to say ninth. Yeah. And I think it was
1: ninth and big too.
0: Yeah. Cause Fante yeah. wasn't there. It was right when they were yeah. to Atlantic and the menstrual show had dropped. And mm-hmm. I remember that picture wholeheartedly. And I was like, Yo, they were doing what they were doing before social media became big, and to see where Ninth has gone on to with his career. Little Brother dropped a new album last year, made a little watch, mm-hmm. and with him bringing Raspidy into the fold with her yeah. success. Oh, yeah. And to kind of see where we were playing their stuff and to go mm-hmm. on and to be huge is a testament mm-hmm. that college radio has always been at the ground front of West talent. Cause I believe acts such as REM and the B 52s get heavy airplay mm-hmm. on college radio. You too, as well, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, college radio, I agree is a special place cause yeah, you've, you've got, well, and, and that's what we were sort of doing at the time, I think is like, you have the ability to sort of like maybe cherry pick these artists or sort of even these artists. Cause I mean, they were little brother. Will was pretty big at the time, like you said. Um, but yeah, you're coming from a university email address and you can kind of just, Hey, come here, do it for the, you know, up and comers, you know, do it for, you know, the education of our DJs. And I don't know, it's just a very cool atmosphere where you can, uh, you know, end up rubbing elbows with um, some great folks. Right. And
0: I also remember um, this was maybe a couple years after you had graduated and left, but um, there were a group of acts from Florida. They were doing a promo run in um, Greensboro. And mm-hmm. one of the people that was there was a pre-fame DJ Khaled. No way. No. I'm serious. Um, it was the rapper <laughs> named Ace Hood, and DJ Khaled was with him, and I can remember
1: seeing
0: now where I was like, "Hold on, this guy was at our station, and now he's everywhere, and he's bigger than just being a local Miami superstar." And it's just like you never know who you're gonna rub elbows with That's wild. Gonna be That's cool.
1: Week,
0: you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm, and the
0: mm-hmm. thing for those of you that are unfamiliar with how UNCG was at the time, um, the radio station was located in the basement of the Taylor Building, I believe. We moved to the third floor mm-hmm. around a couple years later. So we used to share the Taylor building with the drama department, they would have their plays up above. So whenever there will be plays going on, we would have to close the door to make sure that we don't interfere, <laughs> they get noise with us before we go on there. And I remember uh-huh. having to play Beat the Clock numerous of times when <laughs> I was on the show by myself because you had to make sure, you had to be back from the bathroom. <laughs> by the time that record's in. So you would go to the next record, play that ID, or going to your news or your PSA that was uploading the audio vault. And mind you, we were doing this with yeah. CD carts that would sometimes skip.
1: Oh, that's right. Oh, man, you're bringing back the memories.
0: Yeah, man. I used to, I remember being so nervous, like, before my first night, because I thought that, have you seen the movie Private Parts? Mm-hmm. You know the scene yeah. where he was on the radio station? Uh, I think the, the rack had fell over on the turntable. I thought it right, right. happened to me like my first night on air.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know you get, I, I, you get a little nervous. Yeah. Those first few times. Um, I agree. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of yeah. Faders and buttons. And I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of coordination that you do have to get down, you know, right. Those, those first few shows, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. maybe that's what makes it even more fun once you get the hang of it. Cause then you, you feel like you're, you've kind of like mastered this, this thing. So.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a skill. Now. Yeah. What, what was your favorite show that you remember doing during your time at UAG, either solo or together with another person?
1: Mm, that is a good question. I mean, I do remember sort of along the lines of what we've been talking about, you know, being able to speak with some of your musical heroes. Um, One musical hero of mine came through. His name was Mike Kinsella and he was going to play at Ace's basement later that night. And, but he swung by the station and me and a friend got to interview him in the booth. And yeah, that was, that was pretty special for me. That was pretty cool. Mm. Um, I still have a recording of that on cassette somewhere. Um so that was a, that was a great one for me. What else? I like doing those shows with Paul, like I said we we did the Roots music show. Um that's when I sort of first heard about some roots artists and bluegrass artists and just jumping into like a new genre was kind of fun for me. Um Yeah, there were a lot of great times for sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So was there one What interview- about
1: you? Do you have a... say it again?
0: Yeah, was there one interview that you ended up like kicking yourself in the head saying, Man, I wish I would have never
1: <laughs> I have one, but oh. you go first. okay. Well, there was there was one uh there's a guy named Calvin Johnson, um, who started K Records. Um, so a lot of, a lot of K records, you know, albums would come through the station and pretty legendary label. And he came through to do a, a in studio performance. And, you know, I used to work down there at the coffee shop, Tate street coffee. And I I had a shift at the exact same time that he was doing that. So I kicked myself. I was sad that I missed out on, you know, seeing his performance. He did come down and get a coffee. But uh, but I missed his performance up there, so oh
0: man, for me, you know how with the school of music they would have adjunct professors do like a visiting term or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, come to find out that there was this guy that was in that school of music that was an adjunct. And I didn't know his association with this guy at the time. I'm sure you probably know Mm -hmm. of where I'm going with this. I did not know that Fred Wesley was an adjunct professor at the School of Music. Funky Fred from Fred and the JBs. I was like, you mean to tell me. This man that's been with the Godfather of Soul, I could have walked over to the music, could've interviewed him on my show. You guys got a liner from him for Pete's sakes. I could have had an interview with Fred Wesley, and I'm like, you
1: idiot. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, no, that's 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 a big one, yeah. So how wait, when when did he start? Was he there um, the whole time we were both there
0: or? um he was there I think I want to say maybe a year. Year I want to say maybe 05, 06 because I know I remember okay, seeing okay, him when okay. I took a class at the School of Music and it wasn't like I said it wasn't until yeah. later that I realized his affiliation with um James Brown that I was like
1: yeah that's cool
0: so but I, I know say, see
1: I didn't realize either but yeah. yeah
0: yeah but I would say my coolest interview during my whole five years at the Time Machine was um I had a chance to interview Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block. And mm. that interview was very extensive, no hoes barred. And then I come mm-hmm. to find out a year later, they decided to get back together.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so so to say, I did an interview with one of the guys from New Kids and they reunited a year later. And I'm like, hmm, right. maybe I might have had a hand in that because that's still right, like, right. one of my highest rated interviews on YouTube, actually with all of them. You know they were uh-huh. pretty well received, and when I interviewed Brooke Payne, um, New Edition yeah. choreographer and Ronnie DeVoe's uncle, some of the stuff he was telling mm. me ended up being put into the mini series that aired about three years ago on mm. Oh wow! Yeah, that's
1: so cool. I found that that's really you know,
0: cool. Found that pretty cool, you know, with everything that we were able to accomplish as a station you know it's not just me it's all of us mm-hmm. it's yourself it's chris kyle mm-hmm. jessim to see where jessim is at now with her being a social mm. media influencer and to know that you know we were right in the midst yes. and seeing her starting chris with where he's at with wral i mean wag was just amazing special, place, special time of all the great people that came out of there and has gone on to do great things in their respective professions
1: that's right. That's right. Yep. There was something, something great going on there at the time, you know, and I'm, you know, I've, I've had the chance to reconnect with WAG a couple times over the years too. Um, you know, whether, when I'm putting out music or something and I'll, I'll go up there and, and um, one time I played some songs live and so, and, and there's, there's still really cool stuff going on there, you know? So yeah, it's just a great place in general.
0: Yeah, definitely support WAG, you know, Emily Harris, a UNCG alumni. It might have been something in the pizza at New York Pizza, which was one of my favorite haunts <laughs> when I was there. It was either right. um New York Pizza or Jimmy John's cuz Jimmy John's had first opened maybe a year or so after I was there, then China Walk was another spot. You had
1: to do, you had to do Jimmy John's late night.
0: Yeah. That, that was your
1: that was that your, was your one too. option really.
0: Yeah, that was your go-to <laughs> if a hey, if you yeah. were doing that late-night cramming for a finals, or if you were <laughs> doing the devil's lettuce, as some people will call it, then that'll right. be your go-to. Now, can you explain yeah. to the people the importance of Merge Records and Cats Cradle out of Carborough?
1: Yes, and um there's actually a great as we know, music venues are are struggling right now, shut down right now, so. Um, there's actually a great compilation of North Carolina musicians um, who have contributed a song cover songs to this cat's cradle benefit album. So cat's cradle is an incredible and music venue in Chapel Hill, North Carolina um, that yeah, has just kind of been a foundational piece of like the, I would say the North Carolina music scene and the East Coast music scene um, for a really long time, um, ever since I was growing up um, and and before that. Um, so yeah, you just kind of can't say enough about it. I mean, they they sponsor shows in in other great places, but they also have like an incredible venue um, right there in in Carborough. Um So I mean, I yeah, I, I've been to. A million shows there, I could talk about, but yeah, this this compilation I'm talking about. If you go to Bandcamp and look for the Catch Cradle compilation, um, you know, it, it goes a long way. If you you know share that on social media or or purchase the al- album digitally, um, that'll really help them out. So, um, and then so you you mentioned Merge Records too. Um, yeah, Merge Records is another very important piece of the north carolina music scene um, basically i would say for any independent record label they are sort of the i want to say blueprint or success story um, and it, i can actually connect this to wag a little bit our, our college radio days because i remember hearing a band it might have been right before they signed or right when they signed to merge but in other words, when they were unknown, Um, very catchy song. And it was, somebody had uploaded it to the overnight DJ. So the overnight DJ is basically the music that automatically plays when no one's there. Um, And this song just kept popping up there, up on there. Um, Very catchy, like I said, and come to find out, you know, that band blew up, you know, a year or two later, which was Arcade Fire. Wow. You know, but the the first time I ever heard that was on this overnight DJ, completely unknown, you know, some, somehow somebody on the board had, you know, either gotten an advanced copy of like the EP that came out before the Merge Records full length or something like that. Um, but that was kind of cool. So yeah. Arcade Fire is, is a Merge band and, you know, obviously Arcade Fire, you know, has, has really blew up to a crazy extent and, um, but Merge is a label based in Durham, North Carolina who has sort of like stayed true to its indie values despite having these, you know, extremely internationally successful bands and releases and stuff.
0: Yeah, and which is what I'm glad to see now that North Carolina has started to get national recognition for the music talent that comes from the Tar Heel State. Of course, everybody knows North Carolina from Fantasia, Sunshine, Anderson, Anthony Hamilton, Mm -hmm. Jodeci, you got Ben Foles, and then with the Mm -hmm. likes of the newcomers today with Rhapsody and J. Cole, the baby who I found out Mm -hmm. with UNCG. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he went to UNCG. He yeah. graduated a couple of years after I did. But it's just good okay. to see that North Carolina's been well-represented. In music, and I think what makes the music scene so special in our state is that, especially with Greensboro, is that you're within not that far of a drive from RTP, that's Research Triangle Park, uh-huh. for those of you that don't know, that consists of Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. So you got your spots there that's near those schools. And then you're mm-hmm. about an hour 30 minutes from Charlotte, so you get to see the scene there. And then you take a couple hours' drive west, and you go check out the scene out of Asheville. And it's Mm -hmm. just a great, great place to be as far as the state. And you can be able to hear different sounds, different styles, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. And I think that's what makes North Carolina special as a whole.
1: I do too. And I know some musicians who have moved here, um, you know, and I think part of what draws them here from other places is uh, one thing is you can tour the East Coast, basically, and it's a nice little central hub for being able to do that if if you're the type of band who, you know, tours a lot and, and um, wants to hit a lot of good-sized cities but not drive, you know, crazy lengths, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah, so how do you think the music industry will bounce back next year because COVID has kind of put Mm. everything to a screeching halt. Tours have been canceled, and everything Mm -hmm. is still Mm -hmm. kind of sort of at a standstill from a music standpoint.
1: I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, of course, there's a lot of unknowns right now. Um, I think – people are figuring out how to do the live stream thing um, more effectively and in a more exciting way. That being said, it's, it doesn't compare to a live show where you're, you're sitting there in person with a musician. Um, so, I mean, I know a lot of great music is being written right now and is, is, is going to be shared at some point And Um, as far as the infrastructure, I mean, I really don't know. I just, I guess I just have some, have hope that, you know, artists and musicians are going to be resilient and that, I mean, we just, we just hope that society will, will value that, that piece. You know, I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the creative piece and the, and the cultural significance of artists, you know, I think that's, that's the big question: Is is that going to be valued, and is there going to be help for venues and musicians? You know,
0: right? Especially um, and
1: support. I mean, I know. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, especially with the indie venues, like you're saying, like Cats Cradle, they're not they're like hanging on by a thread by now. So, if you know of any indie venues that has any type of fundraisers to keep the lights on, please support. Please do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, check out that Bandcamp cat's cradle compilation um and it's it, it actually has amazing songs on it and amazing artists on it so it's well worth the money anyways but it's it's going to a good cause so
0: right and i want to mention too that when we were on uag we were kind of at that last bit where the music industry still had that traditional model of we put your records out in a store, you pay 15 to 20 bucks, whether it's a cassette or a CD, and now that's gone. And artists can now go direct Mm -hmm. to the consumer via streaming services and podcasting. So how does that Mm -hmm. feel for you as an artist, knowing that it's more of the upper hand for me, whereas before I had to go through a middleman to get the music to the people mm-hmm. as now I can go direct to consumer, and upload it. And on a link, click, go to social media.
1: Right. There's something nice about that. There is something nice about the standardization of, of some of the streaming stuff where, you know, like you said, if I send a link to a mailing list or if I send a link to my family, everybody knows that site and everyone knows how they can find it and listen to it. Um, and there's something really cool about that. Cause you're right. That was kind of missing back, back in the days. Um, you know, you had a whole bunch of different sites that were sort of competing for that, or you had piracy and you had, you know, all these different competing things, but it wasn't all sort of like standardized. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's also, some cool things about being able to look at some statistics and stuff like that with Spotify um I mean you may f- be familiar with that because you've got your podcast on there um, so that's neat like looking at some of the back end but I mean you still want to be able to sell something I mean I love the ban- I-, I love the website Bandcamp you know and they've been having you know I'm looking to them for actually hopefully coming up with innovative solutions to, to the whole um, artist predicament or musician predicament in the next year or so. Um, So they've, they've actually done a really cool thing, which you may have heard of, but they've done like every first Friday going back, I forget the first month when they started to do it, but they are waiving their fees. So Bandcamp is a site where you can purchase, music directly from an artist Um, so you can purchase let's say any of their physical goods but then it's also a streaming site you also can purchase you can stream the music and you can also buy downloads and you can also buy whatever physical versions of the music they have Um, so in a way it's almost like an online record store but also a streaming site Um, it's kind of a neat hybrid and when, but anyways, these first Fridays, they've been waiving their fees when you buy anything um, as sort of a, a show of good faith to artists that all the money any of their fans spend on those days goes directly to the artist's pockets. Um, and that's a really cool idea, you know, and, it, and it's it's kind of a sign of goodwill and it's kind of a, something that's been uplifting to a lot of artists. So, I mean, to me, that's been the biggest that's been a really big silver lining lately and a really hopeful thing those first Fridays for bandcamp and um, when you talk about like what's the landscape like these days for an artist and how do I don't know how do I feel um, yeah, there's a place for Spotify, definitely, but it's really nice to have that other website that encourages folks to value. The music and spend their money on the music to try to sustain you know that uh, sustain the music and help that artist create more of it you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah because while it's good to have that digital download of a record but to me there's nothing like going to a store getting a copy of a CD or whatever hard physical copy of music that you have, been able to open up, see the inserts, read the liner notes, maybe read the lyrics if they're printed in. It's just something that you can't get when you just click buy and you have the mm-hmm. audio file, all those of higher quality, right? In your Dropbox, there's still nothing like a vinyl record. And I got to thank UAG for Mm-hmm. my love of vinyl because we would have the c d and vinyl fair, and I remember it was one year where I ended up spending i took sixty bucks out spent that sixty dollars for an hour, and I ended up going back to aTM to get some more out because you were allowed to haggle with the vendor that was there, like, hey, uh, I want this record, <laughs> but I only got twenty five Are you willing to work with me or what so that was mm-hmm. where I got a lot of my vinyl collection from there. I also got a lot of it from there was this pawn shop. They had old CDs and old vinyl on Tate Street. It was right mm. next to where yours. And um Yeah, I
1: remember my owner, that. Yeah.
0: I was I would get real good with after maybe three or four visits. And he kind of gave me some extra stuff on the slide, or he gave it to me at a deep family and friends discount. So that was the benefit <laughs> of getting in real good, like you said earlier, getting in real good with the owner of a store. that will be like, hey, yeah. I'll set this aside for you. Only you can have it, can't nobody else have it. And that's the thing that is lost now with you are not mm-hmm. seeing a lot of indie record stores.
1: Mhm, and I mean, yeah, it's just you telling that story is kind of fun to hear i mean it's it's you going to be face to face with someone you know sharing favorite bands you know it, it 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 sort of creates this much longer tale and like this much longer story, much much more much deeper story um and experience mm. to the whole you know, and each time you pick up that record you're you're gonna think of. You know, that whole experience that you had, you know. Yeah, it was very that's that's, that's true, I know. Uh,
0: yeah, very communal. It was like we were the music version of the movie clerks. <laughs> yes, nice. J- just minus not being in a video store, but it just had right. that aspect of like you knew your regulars that were gonna come into the store, and you won't just buy anything, you will just go and just talk shop for hours about. This band, that band, like, oh, I heard so-and-so's performing here on this day. Wanna go? So it was that whole aspect mm-hmm. of, like you said, this of course pre-COVID, being yeah. in a room with somebody who has the same interests as you, whereas now, of course, because of COVID, you don't get you don't get that interaction, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even more so now because of social media with Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, yeah. LinkedIn, whatever social media that you're using, you don't have that sense of, hey, let me go ask Josh if he wants to go for a cup of coffee or go play a random game of um, soccer over at the front lawn of the EUC.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I remember doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah. I would pass um, that or
0: random kids playing hacky yeah. sack. <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So like, you know, to wrap it, yeah, I, there's a lot of convenient things about the streaming world for sure. Um, And, you know, and playlists can be kind of cool and fun. Right. Um, And I definitely enjoy making them for my friends. Um, What else? But, yeah, there's kind of a give and take. And I think it's it's good to try to have some perspective and try to be critical um, of of the system as it is and try to just maintain your integrity and remember like why you're doing things and not to get too caught up in the numbers. and um, And also, yeah, try to think of ways if possible to sustain the art that you're trying to make um, and to support those websites who are trying to do that as well. Like I said, I think Bandcamp is doing that well. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. So support your local indie record store and it is music over commercialism. Now let's talk about the inspiration of your new album. And I've been reading the reviews. It's been getting a lot of great feedback over in the UK and in Indie Week, Silver, Soar and Disappear, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a record. The, the record, you know, I going back to the WAG days. Since we're talking about that, um, I played in a rock band. You might call it a math rock band, sort of like a rock band with like a jazz edge to it. Um, and then after college, I moved back to Chapel Hill. I sort of had a collective of musicians that I played with and hung with and, you know, still was playing rock music. So this record is a pretty big departure from all that music that I've made in my past. Um, It's all acoustic. It's all instrumental. Um, There's a few guest musicians on each song, but yeah, there's like a mandolin player, banjo player. Uh, And I, I started writing the record when my first son was born. So what happened for me at that time, I couldn't really have band practice with a bunch of people. You know, it just wasn't not going to fit into my schedule, you know, to, to do the whole rock band thing. So that left me with my acoustic guitar in the house on the porch. And that's when these songs started coming to life really. And I was just at this point in my life too, where with work and with my son and you know, life was just getting very full in a in a great way, but it was also I, I was wanting that creative outlet. I was wanting to make some peaceful music when I had that time for my creative outlet. So it just sort of influenced the type of music I was making.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, where can people go and purchase the album?
1: You can per so it's out on a record label called Tompkins Square. So if you go to Tompkins Square, um, if you go to their Bandcamp page, if you go to Tompkins Square, yeah, just Google Bandcamp Tompkins Square and my record will pop up. I mean, you can also um, all the social media sites. I'm I'm a Josh K bro. Um, so if you go to any of the social media sites, sites you'll be able to see a link to the album too.
0: All right, and I love the album. It's definitely great music to get into your mode of wanting to chill out from the world, especially if you got little ones in the house and you know you got they got school going and you got telework going and you can just throw that yeah. on and just pretend like you're sitting in the bathtub wanting to get taken away by Calgon
1: thank you can i quote you on that
0: yes you can't quote me on that that's
1: gonna cost (laughs) throw that up up on the website
0: yeah throw throw it up on the website and say it's from me i give this album two thumbs up it's definitely a great product people support that and before we conclude this interview any shouts you want to give and plug your social media
1: oh yeah i want to give a shout out again to jack bonnie um the old general manager from back in the day. Shout out to my wife, um, Katie. So she was a DJ back in the day as well. We've oh, been wow. together for a long time. Katie, uh, Zik- Fus, and she's a great visual artist as well. But, um, I think that's about it. But, but this has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And I'll uh, give you social media
1: again. Oh yeah. My social media, um, Josh Cabro. So Instagram at Josh Cabro, same for Twitter. And, um, you can look me up Josh Cambro on Facebook.
0: All right and like I said bro we've known each other for over 10 years. Like hard to believe this year 2004 is 16 years man so It
1: is hard to believe it really. So, is.
0: Like like I said you've played an important part in my life and everything that I've done from UAG to beyond the album cover, which is an extension of the time machine. So for that, you, Jack, Eric, Jared, Jenny, Jessam, Cat, Liam, Travis, Kyle, Prez, A-Town, Section 8, Chris, um, anybody, everybody that's had a hand in UAG from the days of the Taylor building to the third floor of Brown. It has just been a pleasure and I'm proud of you for everything that you've done, being a family man and your music and everything. And I'm just humbled that you even take the time to come on to my little old podcast, man.
1: Oh man, it's, the, it's, it's the other way around for me. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of you and um, yeah, so much love for you and the wag family um yeah it's 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 big time to see you doing this podcast i'm a listener can't wait to see who comes up next and um yeah you're doing great things
0: I appreciate it, Josh. You can catch this episode along with past episodes on Anchor, Breaker, Stitcher, Spotify. Tune in and just add it onto Apple Radio. And the video portion of this interview will be available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash j85. That's youtube.com slash lowercase j, number eight, number five. Ladies and gentlemen, beyond the album cover with my good friend, my brother from another mother, Josh Kimbrough. Josh, thank you for coming on to the podcast, bro.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: No problem.